0: Well I'm going to invite you to take your bibles and turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 22 Acts chapter 22 and we're going to read one verse of scripture verse 16 and then turn over to the book of Jude the next to the last book of the bible the book of Jude verse 20 I had a dream this past week, and it was literally a nightmare. I lost my Bible. Uh, This is my preaching Bible. It's a Bible that I study out of, but I had misplaced it, and I could not find it. And I found myself in that dream almost like in a panic of trying to find my Bible. Well, I woke up before I found my Bible, <laughs> but I thought afterward how important the Word of God is and how important the Bible, God's Word. I want us to do something this morning. If you've got your Bibles, it, hold it up in the air. Let's just wave it. I believe that's just like angel wings, don't you? <laughs> Amen. Thank you. That, that is such a beautiful picture of being able to look out into the congregation, see that you have your Bible, and have the Word of God. Because it's through the Word of God that we come to know the Lord, and it's through the Word of God that it guides us and directs us in the paths of His righteousness. And so today, we're going to talk about something that uh, uh, hopefully you as a believer have experienced. And I want us to talk about what is baptism is all about. Baptism. We do this certainly from time to time as new believers come and they make professions of faith. And there they are baptized. Baptized. Well, we're going to look in the Scriptures and see exactly what the Scriptures has to say about that. With your Bibles open, would you stand with me? Acts chapter 22, verse 16. This, of course, is the Apostle Paul, and that the Apostle Paul was giving testimony of his experience at the road of Damascus. And there we began to find that he was commanded to go and be baptized. Listen to what the Bible says. And now, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Amen. Listen to what Jude tells us. Jude, verse 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Jude is describing the Christian life as a structure, as a building, and it's built upon a foundation. And block by block by block by block, you are building. As a Christian, you are in the building process. You are maturing, you're growing. You'll never get to the age of where you're not learning and maturing in your faith in the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father thank you for your word, thank you for the way that you instruct us, and certainly we realize of the importance of baptism here today. We pray, dear Lord, that you would give us an insight, an understanding, and a firm foundation upon this blessed, wonderful truth. May the Spirit of God be upon us. Bless us, anoint us, Fill us with your presence, and we pray, dear Lord, not only the preaching, but the hearing of your word will be anointed by the Holy Spirit of our living God. We love you, Lord, and we commit this moment to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Jude is telling us that we are building up this structure. There is not a stopping place, but that you are constantly growing and maturing and developing. It's a lifelong process, as Jude reminds us. It's a constant growth and maturing experience. You know that. As a a person that has come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior, you can look back upon your life And you can begin to see that process and that progress that has taken place in your life. And so, one is always building and maturing and developing in their Christian life. Now, you know as well as I do, if you're in the process of building a structure, there are many blocks... But before there are many blocks, there has to be some first blocks that must take place. We're in a series right now. And the uh, series, of course, is that building that faith, building that faith in the Lord. And so one of the very first bricks, one of the very first blocks of that building of that faith, is baptism. Baptism. Now, I believe that the Bible has instructed very firm and very direct that every believer that has trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, that they should have experienced what is known as believer's baptism. Listen to what the Bible says in Acts 22, verse 16 again. It says, Arise and be baptized. That was the conversion of the Apostle Paul, and immediately after the conversion, there came the command, which was to be baptized. Paul, you must get yourself to be baptized. Now... Sometimes we kind of look at baptism and we kind of kind of take it for granted. But do we understand fully what baptism is all about? So that very first block of that structure is, of course, baptism. Now, we talked about last week that before you can have any blocks of building that structure, there must be a firm foundation. And that firm foundation of course is your conversion, your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is your foundation. And so one of the very first blocks of building that faith is baptism. Baptism. So I want to share with you three things this morning as we think about baptism. Now, Think about this for a few moments. The very first thing that I want us to think about and to talk about concerning baptism is the purpose. What is the purpose of baptism? Do we do this just because this is a tradition that our church has or our denomination has? Of course not. This is one of the, one of the two ordinances of the local New Testament church. Baptism and the Lord's Supper. We participated in both of those ordinances last Sunday. Baptism, we saw one was baptized, and then we participated in the Lord's Supper. Acts 22, verse 16, Paul is giving testimony that he was told to go and get baptized. Now, you go back into the book of Acts, And you began to notice the number of times that it refers to baptism. Acts chapter 2. The Bible talks about that there was over 3,000 in that New Testament church that were saved and they were baptized. Several others, as you go back and you look in Acts chapter 8, where Simon and several others were saved, and they were baptized. And then, of course, there is what we know of the story of the Ethiopian eunuch, that he was on his way, on a journey back to Egypt. And there, the Bible tells, or back to Ethiopia, there on that way, he began to read the scriptures and he was convicted in his heart. And the Bible says he was saved by the leadership of the Holy Spirit, but by the pronouncement by Philip himself. And he accepted the Lord, and the Bible says he was baptized. Acts chapter 16 is another example where Lydia and the Philippian jailer were saved, and they were baptized. Now, let me ask you a question. Why baptism? Why? Why do we baptize? Why does the Bible talk about baptism the way that it does in the New Testament? I think it has two reasons. First of all, I think that it is because there is that personal conversion of the believer. You remember I said on each and every incident that they were first of all saved and then they were baptized. Baptism is an act that follows an experience. Always follows. It never precedes it, but it follows an experience. It follows that experience of where that person in his heart have come to a place and come to an understanding that he's lost and come to an understanding that Jesus Christ came into this world and he died for the sins of mankind. And by confession of faith, believing in their heart, that Jesus Christ died, buried, and rose again, and inviting him into their heart, that they now have been saved. And so baptism is that beautiful picture of what they have experienced. Acts chapter 8, verse 36, of where it gives us the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. And the Bible says in verse 36, Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe. I believe that Jesus Christ is is the Son of God. Amen. Praise the Lord that he made that statement. Philip witnessed to him. And as he witnessed to him, the Ethiopian says, I'll tell you what I want to do. I want to be baptized. Philip says, that's great. And I, I want you to be baptized. But there's something comes prior to baptism. And that is salvation. Look what he says. Philip explains to him that he can be be, be baptized, but there's something that needs to be done first. Look what he says. If you trust Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and accept him as your Savior, then you can get baptized. And so what does the Ethiopian eunuch says? He says, I do believe. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So, in other words, a person realizes that he's lost. And he realizes that he's in need of a Savior. And with childlike faith, he invites Christ into his life. And then, what that does, there is that first personal conversion of that believer the Philippian jailer. You remember the Bible says that he asked the question, what must I do to be saved? And of course the Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. But there's a second reason. Not only do I want you to recognize there is that personal conversion of the believer, but there is that what is known as that public confession of a believer. When a person is saved, and then when he is baptized, he is making a public confession. That's the whole purpose of being baptized. Salvation, of course, is that what is known as the inward experience. And baptism is what is known as an outward expression of that inward experience. Baptism is symbolic. It's symbolic of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In other words, what happens is when a person gets saved, and then he goes and he is being baptized, he is making a public confession. The public confession that I identify with the death of Christ, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. He's identifying not only with the death of Christ, but he's also identifying with the burial of Christ. That Christ has taken those sins and that he has place them into the deepest seas, never to ever to bring them before that person again. Man, thank the Lord that God takes our sins and washes those sins and places them into a place to bring them never before us again. I should make every person in this church to stand up and shout to know that my past has been forgiven but not only forgiven it has been cleansed and forgotten so when that person is being baptized he said I identify with the death of Christ he died for my sins I identify with the burial of Christ that he has buried my sins but I also identify with the resurrection of Christ That as he comes forth out of that water, he's coming forth as a new believer. All things pass away, and all things become new. That's what he is doing. He is making a public confession of the death, the burial, and the resurrection. That's the purpose of baptism. I was reading here a while back that really impressed me about President Dwight D. Eisenhower. Of course, he was our 34th president. He was the commander-in-chief of the Allied forces of the invasion of Europe. He was probably one of the most decorated military men that has ever been. But there was something unique about Dwight D. Eisenhower. He was the only and is the only president that has ever joined a church while in office by making profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only president that was baptized in a special service. Of course, it was taking place at the Washington Cathedral. It was a simple service. They sung hymns. They read Scripture. Over a hundred distinguished leaders around the world was there that day watching Him, making a confession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and watching him being baptized. Not only they were present, the national, of course, the the TV was showing it nationally. Some of you may remember this. But what a remarkable statement. Oh, you may not have a hundred leaders around the world watching you being baptized. Maybe you don't have the national audience on TV watching you, but there's something about your family, your friends, your church brothers and sisters watching you, making that public confession of faith through baptism acts chapter 22 verse 16 says and now why are you waiting why are you waiting and then it goes on arise and be baptized and wash away your sins calling on the name of the lord now as you read that passage of scripture if you're not careful you'll misunderstand it. It has two distinct statements here. It almost reads as being baptized is washing your sins away. Because that's what it says. Arise and be baptized and wash your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Some believe that baptism is your salvation, or is a part of your salvation. This is not what the Scriptures is reading. As you read this, you must understand this particular Scripture. They have two distinct statements in this verse of Scripture. Arise and be baptized, the first distinct statement. And then there's this little word that says, and. It separates the two, where it says, wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. It divides the two from one from the other. That shows that you're calling upon the name of the Lord. My friend, I want to remind you that baptism never saves you. It is not a part of your salvation. Water does not wash away your sins. The Bible tells us nothing but, I mean, not the Bible, but the hymn says, nothing but the blood of Jesus washes away our sins. What can wash away my sins? Nothing, nothing, nothing. So baptism does not wash your sins away. It's only a picture It's only a picture. So the purpose of baptism is not salvation, but it is declaration. You are declaring that you've been saved and that there is an event that has taken place in your life first. And then you're declaring that event by being baptized. Being baptized. So we've talked about, for a few moments, the purpose of baptism. What about the prerequisite of baptism? The prerequisite of baptism. See, it's important to understand that baptism is more than a church practice. It's more than just what Baptists do. My friend, I want you to understand, it is a command of God. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 22, verse 16, as Paul's Christian life was given the charge, and now why are you waiting? And it says, arise and be baptized. It's a command. God has placed that command upon every believer. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. On the day of Pentecost, Peter said, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then in Acts chapter 10, verse 48, Peter was preaching to Cornelius and his household. And we read, And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of of the Lord. So, my friend, I want you to understand baptism is a command. It's the very first command that God places upon a new believer. The very first command. Now that command, as you fulfill that command, you begin to show obedience. So, in other words, when a person is being baptized, they are obeying the command of God. Now, there's two things I want you to notice about this command. First of all, I want you to notice that it's an immediate act of obedience. As you look in the Bible, you will begin to find that this command to be baptized was always immediately after their salvation. When the 3,000 was saved, the Bible says that they were baptized that night. The Ethiopian, when he was saved, the Bible says in just a few moments, Philip baptized him, fulfilling the command of God. The Philippian jailer, When he said, what must I do to be saved? And they told him to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and that he believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. That night he was baptized. Why? Why so quickly? Well, simply for the reason and for the purpose that this is the first command of God. Friend, if you've never been baptized and you're a believer, I don't care all the things that you have done in obedience to the Lord, there is still one thing that is lacking, and that is baptism. You need to go back to that point and to obey God of His first command upon your life, and that is to be baptized. It was the first command in a new believer's life. Baptism is an immediate act of obedience. But secondly, it's an important act of obedience. It's an important act. It is important to be baptized when one is saved and it is equally important to be baptized as soon as possible. Baptism is a command. It is not a luxury. It is not something that you just do, but it is a command and not to fulfill that command, my friend, is disobedience. The Ethiopian said in Acts 8 verse 36, what hinders me from being baptized? I ask you the question today. If you've never been scripturally baptized, what hinders you? What hinders you? I know that as I've talked to individuals before. There are several things that comes to their mind that would hinder them. First of all, the fear of water. I've talked to a lot of people that have accepted the Lord, but they don't want to be baptized because they're afraid of water. Have you ever thought about taking that fear And putting your trust in the Lord like you did with your soul. And to say, God, you know my fears, but with your help, I'm willing to do it. And I've seen it happen. I remember the very first time that uh, I ever baptized anybody. I was a young preacher boy, and I had led this boy to the Lord, and I was so excited that he came down forward that Sunday, to be baptized, and I remember uh, going into the baptismal pool with him and baptized. Great big guy, much larger than I. I bet he weighed 250 pounds, six foot four, six foot five. Great big guy, and I remember as he and I went into those baptismal waters, and I began to lower him down into that water. Everything was going great. Until all of a sudden, he decided he didn't want to be baptized. He was afraid of water. I never asked him, was he afraid of water? I never thought that this gay, great big huge of a guy would be afraid of water. But as I was pushing down, he was pushing up. <laughs> Next thing I knew, as I was pushing down, he grabbed a hold of me. And he and I both went under. Water came flowing out of the baptismal pool onto the choir. And I'm telling you what's the truth. I've never been so soaking wet. you talking about my hair being messed up. I look like a wet duck. I said, well, I was baptized when I was 12. And then I've been baptized again. Sometimes fear. Sometimes the fear of coming before people hinders people. Satan will use anything in this world to try to keep you from fulfilling the command of God. But my friend, I want to remind you that by not being baptized, it is an act of disobedience. And I just firmly believe that when you take your fears to the Lord, that God will help you to overcome those fears. And by His power and by His strength, He will help you to fulfill that command in your life. And so, there we began to look at at not only the, um, the public and personal confession and conversion, and then we not only see here in these scriptures also, thirdly, the procedure, the purpose of baptism, the prerequisite of baptism, but also the procedure of baptism. Now, while most denominations baptize people, And the method and the procedure is sometimes viewed quite differently. Baptism is an important step. And if it's an important step, we must look to the scriptures and find out the reason why not only why we baptize, but how we baptize. Have you ever stopped to think about it? There's some denominations. They baptize by sprinkling. Some denominations will baptize by pouring water over the head of that individual. Some denominations, they baptize infants. Well, we do not do either one of those three. We do not sprinkle. We do not pour water over them, and we do not baptize infants because we believe that a person must come to the age of accountability, of understanding that they are a sinner, and it is a public and private decision and act of obedience of inviting Christ into their life. So we do not baptize infants. When it comes to children, I am very careful that we do not baptize a child that does not fully understand what baptism is all about. That's why me or the staff, we sit down and we talk with them and we hope that we can explain it to them and hopefully that they will understand it and that they will realize and recognize the importance of it. Three things I want you to think about the procedure of baptism. First of all, the meaning of baptism. What does baptism mean? I went back to the Strong's Concordance. And Strong says this. It is being placed into, are fully wet. The word used in the Greek as a picture of dyeing a garment. And you take that garment, and there comes what is known by immersion of that garment, and then there's what is known as submersion of that garment, and then emergence of that garment. And so, that is the picture of baptism. The word was frequently used... Many times in, um, of ships that were spoken as that had been sunk or been buried at sea. They were baptized in, at sea. Or sometimes it was used when the seashore was overcome by water. And they would say that that seashore was baptized by water. W.E. Vine made this statement about baptism. He said, baptism consists the process of immersion, submersion, and emergence. And so, you take a piece of garment. If you want to dye that garment, you wouldn't sprinkle dye on that garment, would you? Of course not. But you would submerge it into that garment. And that immersion and submersion of that garment into that dye. And then you bring it up out of that dye. And of course, if a ship was sunk, you would not say it was being sprinkled. But it was what? Baptized by that water. And so... You must understand the meaning and the reason and the purpose why we baptize by taking a person, placing him in the water and submerging him into that water and bringing him forth out of that water. Now, I think that if you're going to be follow the scriptures, one of the purse first persons that I want to follow is the Lord Jesus Christ that brings me to the model of baptism now when you think about the model of baptism when we look at his baptism we think of the idea of immersion because listen to what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 3 verse 16 and Jesus when he was baptized listen to this went up straightway out of the water. Now, what kind of picture did you get? The picture is he came up out of the water. The picture is that no doubt he was immersed into that water, and he comes forth. And so, therefore, my friend, the Bible says he went straightway out of the water. In John chapter 3, verse 23, it says, And John was baptizing in Anan near Salem because there was much water there. And they came and they were baptized. John the Baptist, when he was baptizing, he looked for much water. Now, when you get the idea of much water that gives you the idea and the understanding that there was a need of much water in order to immerse them underneath that water. Now, if they were just going to sprinkle, all he would need was just a small basin of water. If they were just going to pour Water on top of the Lord Jesus Christ. All he needed was a small pitcher of water. But that's not what the scripture said. The scripture says that there were much water. Look for much water. So Jesus, of course, is the best example, is he not, of baptism Jesus was baptized, and if I'm going to follow the steps of the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to be baptized just like him. Amen. Peter makes that statement. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, he says, For this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us what? As an example. He gave the example that you should follow His steps. And so when a person is being baptized, they are following, following the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in conclusion, what's the message of baptism? I mean, if baptism is all that important, what is the message? I am so grateful to know baptism sets forth the glorious truth of the death and the burial and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The death, the burial, and the resurrection. And my friend, the only way a person can give that message is by immersion. It has to be by immersion. I agree with Gerald Dooley, where he says, There is no way that sprinkling a person or pouring water over their head can convey the death, the burial, and the resurrection. These three things are only pictured by immersion. And that is so true. J.C. Riley stated that baptism loses all significance if we do not see immersion, submersion, and emergence. And so, therefore, resurrection. Three things that led me to my conviction, led me to my salvation, led me to coming to be a part of the family of God is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what saves me, my friend, is that when Christ died, that was part of the gospel. When he was buried, that was part of the gospel. But, friend, to know the whole gospel is to recognize the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, that gives us, of course, the message. And what a beautiful, beautiful message it is. You say, well, Pastor, I've been baptized. Well, that's wonderful. But you'll be surprised how many people today that are members of the church that have never really been scripturally baptized they were sprinkled as a child they had water poured over them as a child and they've looked at that as being a part of their baptism my friend I'm here to tell you it, that's not scriptural See, it's not just what the Baptists do, because Baptists have not always immersed. There have been some Baptists have have sprinkled. But I am so grateful to know that as the scripture teaches, that we are to baptize by immersion. Have you been baptized by immersion? Have you been scripturally baptized? I'm going to challenge you today. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what your background is, but go back to that point when you were baptized and think about what took place in your life. I remember when I was a 12-year-old, after I got saved in that revival meeting, we went to a lake, and it was in the early spring, and the water was cold as ice. you talking about it had a chilling effect upon you. But I remember there was a bunch of teenagers that had gotten saved during that revival meeting, and I'll never forget when that pastor came around in that semicircle of that lake, and he, t- he took me, and he said... Did you invite Christ into your life? I said, I sure did. He said, because of your profession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And he lured me underneath that water. And I'll be honest with you. It was such an experience, I didn't even really think about how cold it was. I did afterward, but at that moment, I really didn't think about it. It was such a wonderful, wonderful event. You say, well, wait a minute, Pastor, let me ask a question. What if I'd been baptized early in life? And I thought I made a profession of faith, but I came to the realization later that I got I needed to trust Christ as my Savior, and I invited Him into my life. Do I need to be rebaptized? You sure did, because friend, your first baptism was not a sign of anything. It could have possibly been just a picture of your emotions. But all baptism comes after the event of salvation. And so if you have made a decision after your baptism, you need to be rebaptized. We have rebaptized numbers of people of that experience that happened in their life. So I encourage you to strongly consider. What are we doing? We're building blocks of faith. And the very first block of our faith, which will come many, many more blocks later on, but that first block, we need to make sure it's on a proper foundation, and that block is baptism. Praise be to God.